Hey everyone, Jason here. Before we get going, I just wanted to take a moment to give a quick shout out to the new paid membership option that we recently rolled out. This option is meant for people that have been getting value from the podcast and want to enable us to keep producing it in a more sustained way. It's also for people that want extra stuff, such as bonus content, a Slack room that's vibrant and filled with people tackling climate change from a wide range of backgrounds and perspectives, as well as a host of programming and events that get organized in the Slack room. We also have a virtual town hall once a month where you can get a preview of what's to come and provide feedback and input on our direction. We'll be adding more membership benefits over time. If you want to learn more, just go to the website, myclimatejourney.co. And if you're already a member... Thank you so much for your support. Enjoy the show. Hello, everyone. This is Jason Jacobs, and welcome to My Climate Journey. This show follows my journey to interview a wide range of guests to better understand and make sense of the formidable problem of climate change and try to figure out how people like you and I can help. On today's episode of MCJ's Startup Series, we welcome Kevin Martin, co-founder and CTO of Unspun. Unspun is a robotics and digital apparel company building custom jeans for each consumer on demand. Their mission is to reduce global carbon emissions by 1% through automated, localized, and intentional manufacturing. Unspun was guided by one main question when they started the company, which is, what would they need to do to flip the process from making a bunch of stuff and hoping it gets sold to selling something and then producing it afterwards? We have a great discussion in this episode, and I learned a lot. It is unbelievable how much waste there actually is in the apparel industry, and I hope Unspun's successful because they have a pretty unique approach for how to address it. Kevin, welcome to the show. Hey. Thanks so much. Thanks for having me. Good to see you again. Good to see you again as well. Well, I got a, a little briefing on Unspun maybe a month or two ago, and it's super cool. So I was excited to have you back and dig in deeper and also uh, get the MCJ community to, uh, exposure to what you're up to as well. Totally. Yeah. I uh, um, I, I, I feel like I've, I've gotten a peek a bit into, into the group, and uh, it, was, it was funny after maybe Maybe a month ago, it was right after you and I last spoke. Um, I had a friend who was like, "Oh yeah, like I really want to do something in, uh, like put more effort into into the environmental world." And I was like, "Oh my gosh, you should join!" And she's like, "Wait, you're in there too?" And I was like, "Oh, you you already are. Too too funny." Um, so yeah, it's 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 cool to see it grow. Yeah, yeah, it's been fun. And and in terms of Unspy, I know you've got some some slides queued up. Uh, what I typically do is, is I ask guests just to start by talking about the kind of the origin story for the company and how it all came about. So if you've got that included in the deck, then we can just get into the slides. But if not, it might be a, a fun place to start just to maybe spend a couple minutes there. Yeah, yeah, totally. Um, <clears throat> so Unspun, as, as maybe you can guess from the, uh, the first slide, we're uh, apparel, apparel world. Um, my, my two co-founders, Beth and Weldon, um, they had both met while uh, at, in different grad programs, um, and Beth was the uh, the original visionary on, on the team. Um, I, I was going to say she was inspired, but I think the right word is is she was appalled, having worked in the apparel industry before this, at how much these brands would talk about like 
opt outside, save the environment, you know, leave no trace. While at the same time, they would get to the end of, you know, end of a season and they would say like, hey, we have to burn these tents because if we donate them and homeless people sleep in them with our logo on the side, it dilutes the brand value. And she was just like, how can this exist that like, you know, and, it, and it's not just in the outdoor industry, it's lots of slashing in footwear, um, particularly big in the luxury world is like, you can't donate unsold inventory because the the brand is so, you know, has so much inherent value to it that uh, destruction is is frankly the the, the root, um, especially in that in that upper tier, you know, towards the end of even in the luxury denim world, like at the end of a season, if they've sold 70% of all the products they make, um, that's like a, a, a huge win. And then they're like, wow, we only had to burn 30% of everything we made. Um, and it's just mind boggling. And so, you know, she, she kind of lived through some of that and then um, went to, uh, I guess this was, just, I don't know, mid 2000s as, uh, as 3D printing was getting big. Um, and went to Stanford really just thinking about like how, you know, how does, how does, 3D printing meet apparel, what would it take to uh, build products only after there's a customer waiting for it rather than uh, way, way ahead of time? So she was kind of thinking about like this, this design meets engineering side of, of 3D printing crossed with fashion. Um, Walden, my other co-founder, had a background in consulting and, and most of it on supply chain work. So, you know, it's this like hurricane projection of uh, within apparel, typically if uh, they, they make these big orders like six, eight months ahead of time. So what like sizes, quantities, colors are going to be popular, like in that one gap store in like, you know, South San Francisco. And it's, it's just shooting from the hip and it's a, a big hurricane projection of, of what might be. Um, so he was really thinking about like, you know, every week you can shorten that hurricane projection, you get a little more accurate. Um, and uh, I think a mutual friend introduced them and it's like, I think you're both trying to start the same company, but like from opposite sides. Um, and so that was kind of the, the, the first clip. Um, I, I met them about a year later. Um, as any good millennial, I met them and made a big life decision online, um, actually through, through Angel's List. Uh, my background was in, in robotics. I ran a robotics startup uh, before this doing camera motion and, and aerial filming type work. Um, and, and yeah, I, uh, I, I, <laughs> we were chatting about this just earlier, um, was really thinking a lot at the time of like, I, I want to feel like what I spend every day on has an impact in the world. Um, filming K-pop is really cool. Um, but it's hard to feel like that's, that's something the world needs all the time. Um, and so that was kind of my search. I was like, I want to work on something really, really hard from an engineering perspective. Um, I want to work on something uh, within arm's reach of everyone. And I want it to have a, a big climate impact. So, you know, I was thinking energy, I, I was thinking broadly manufacturing. Um, I was not the person that was known for being fashionable. Um, so it was a, a, a funny surprise to a bunch of my friends at the time. And I was like, I think I'm going to start a robotic fashion company. And they're like, what? Um, so yeah, that, that's kind of been the, the thinking behind Nunspun. It's, it's now, um, just about three years since then. And um, yeah, been really exciting to kind of see all these, all these different pieces come together. And so I, guess I can, I mean, oh, uh, oh, I was just going to say you, you talked about, and maybe, maybe we can just segue into the slides, but you talked about the, you know, how 70%, you know, only, only burning 30% is a good year for, 
these brands. So uh, that'd be a great segue to then, um, you know, then get into, you know, what, what Unspun is planning to do about it or doing about yeah. it, I should say. Yeah, yeah. Ab- absolutely. Um, it, it, and so ultimately, like, that was, that was really kind of what we honed in on is, like, if we want to make a big environmental impact, where are the biggest industries where that's possible? Um, one of the North Stars we set at the very beginning was, like, we should be aiming towards ultimately getting to a 1% global carbon emissions impact, um, which, as you know, is a massive number. Like, that's not a five-year goal. Um, that's like a, if we do everything right and change the world goal. Um, but that is what's kind of been, been driving us as we thought about, you know, what if, if fashion is the target, if this is where uh, we think there's the biggest opportunity, like what is the route that we take? And uh, essentially using that as a filter of like, we cannot think about these things because we will never get to the impact scale that we want to ultimately get to. Um, and and, and that, that four gigaton or the, you know, the, the emissions reduction that you talked about, wh- what aspect of that, uh, mm. of, of, of that burning the 30% does that come from? Yeah, um, and, and this is, uh, this was essentially that, that first clip, right? Is, is you can, if the apparel industry is really wasteful, makes all this stuff, it's really <clears> bad for the environment, depending on who counts, top three, top five dirtiest industries in the world. Like where, where are the big slices of that pie that, that we can carve out of? Um, Obviously, there's ingredients. Obviously, there's there's runoff and emissions. Um, but the really fascinating one to us is dead stock, the, this unsold inventory part. Um, Seth Bannon and, and Ella and, and Chow over at, at 50 put a good term to it, the, the Mr. Burns test, right? Of like, uh, yes, being environmental is good. We want to make environmental products. We want companies and people to seek out environmental solutions. Uh, but ultimately, there's like, you know, there's some asshole CEO somewhere that doesn't care, right? And so how how can we force someone to be more sustainable is by forcing them to, to make more money. So for us, that, that important overlap was like, where is there a massive profitability potential mixed with the environmental side? Um, and the, the dead stock unsold inventory part is the biggest one. Um, the industry is notorious right now for, they realize if they burn it instead of just shredding it, they can like pat themselves on the back um, and say like, Oh, we recaptured the energy. It was the energy was recycled, um, which, okay um you know hard to justify through that but this is what really got us excited it was like hey look there's the brand company you know profitability problem of we paid for this stuff it's not selling we're paying to hold it somewhere and then we're going to pay to burn it there's the consumer side of like finding stuff that fits is actually just really hard um and then there's our environmental piece that was like the main focus of this and once we squished all those together is uh what got us really excited about this this robotics meets fashion approach that we took? Sounds good. So so yeah, that's um that's been the 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 interesting mix in combination of Unspun. Um, as far as I know, we're the largest uh, fashion company with a robotics brand, or or vice versa. Um, is is thinking about this actually as a a full stack process and as like a complete reimagine reimagination of the way the industry works. Um, and, and thinking about like, Hey, what is this future that's coming? How do we, uh, how do we chaperone that in, in a way that that proves that the switch towards on-demand manufacturing is feasible. And, and so Unspun is essentially our, our creation of that is thinking about like, what does that fashion brand of the future look like? 
And I mean, if we if we just kind of dare to dream a little bit, what I mean, paint, paint the picture of the future that you and the Unspun team are imagining. Yeah, I mean, you know, as a as an engineer at heart, the big one for me um, that I get really excited about is like, hey, there's a a noticeable impending like reversal of the magnetic poles coming. It will. It's not a question of if, but when it becomes more cost efficient to produce things, you know, through automation on demand, rather than the old school conventional cut and sew way of, you know, finding the new poor country to take advantage of and, and really, really cheap labor. Um, and so that as an engineer opens up this, this cool optimization problem of like, okay, if, if it's when, not if, <clears throat> what's the timing, right? And then how do we best set ourselves up to, you know, that wave's coming, how do we catch it? And so for us, it's, it's really thinking about hey, the future is absolutely localized. Um, this is a cool one, probably one of the most, you know, even in uh, even now in, in political season, one of the most bipartisan topics is like made locally, um, supports local jobs, it's our impact on the environment. Um, so, you know, building as close to the end consumer as possible, thinking less about this big linear process of kind of like all these linear inputs in and then throwing things out um, and more about how does this process become circular both in you know the environmental side, but also like the the data and and feedback side, like brands actually knowing things about their customers rather than just putting things on the shelf. Um, and and the other one is just like people really care now. Like ten years ago, you know the the cool apparel companies were the ones that had like a big bold huge Gucci logo or something like that. And and now like that that isn't cool. What is cool is you know uh, a cradle to cradle certified and and platinum. Uh, platinum certifications in like BCI cotton and, and things like that. Um, and it's less about like big gnarly logos and more about like, this is a staple product and it's just, like good quality. And this is something that, you know, I feel good about wearing. And, and so, I, I mean, as a consumer, I know what the experience is like the, the regular way. Uh, what is the experience like the unspun way? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I, I guess I can I can jump down. That's that's the take for us is thinking about you know both being the brand and the experience, but also doing that uh, on top of the tech, which is our our base layer. As like okay, if we think that this new method of automated manufacturing is the future, um, you know we also need to build the interface for like the whole world to interact with that. How do these brands that are used to eight months? manufacturing cycles now produce things on demand well there needs to be a totally new way of thinking about ordering and, and customization um so for us it's that like hardcore manufacturing tech the hardcore software um and proving that those work and that we can build those for the industry by by being our own brand um and so yeah that's that's unspun 3d scan to custom fit um exclusively focused on custom fit jeans as we've launched um our core manufacturing tech is, is more focused on wovens and I can talk more about that in, uh, in a bit. But yeah, so we build the world's best custom fit jeans um, from a 3D scan. Used to be in store um, and now something that you can do just, just right from your phone. So prop your iPhone up, use that face ID sensor. We build a 3D model of your legs from that and then that becomes the input to the process. Um, and so these are just some of the, you know, some of our brand photos we, uh, you know, again, going back, like no big obnoxious logos. Um, we're not doing like distressed and, and, and worn down. It's all like 
very staple, good, like solid looking products um, built with like really great ingredients as well. So this is kind of the, uh, the brand that we've built around that with, you know, all of our supporting technology behind it. So as a consumer, it sounds like I download an app and then do I take a picture of my whole body? Is that right? Yeah. So this is, uh, this is the big, um, this has been the big push for us lately is, is we have been really focused on the like physical retail store scanners, just kind of like these, these standalone units. Um, and then obviously like COVID, that was a thing. Um, stores closed, people stopped going to stores. And so for us, that was like, okay, we, we've known that this switch towards mobile scanning and an app will come at some point. Um, and, and three months to, to be locked inside and think about the future to ourselves was a great time to build that. So yes, now um, it's all built on an app. Um, we're actually, good plug, we're looking for beta testers to help us run through this new process and, and test it out. But it's essentially, you, you set that app up um, you wear just anything form fitting, it has you turn in a circle and then that's what it uses to, to build that 3D model. Um, and then from there, there's no sizes on any of our products. You know, we don't talk about small, medium, large. We don't talk about inseam or, or waistband. It's actually just choose the style um, and see what it will look like. And then that's what we'll build. So this is actually um, some clips of, of kind of this, this new iteration we're working on of like, what a customer sees after they scan as they're kind of flipping through and then what it actually looks like on them. Um, and this has been really exciting because it's, it's, we're getting really, really good at, at you know, essentially nailing what that process will look like, which is so important in a world where essentially we're asking people to, to buy something without trying it on, which is a different behavior, right? So um, being able to visualize and see what that looks like is a really important step in like moving customers to be more willing towards um, only producing things when it's necessary rather than like I go into store and there's just piles and piles of stuff on shelves. Well, so, I mean, during the course of the pandemic, I, I actually went up a, a pant size or two and then I actually just ordered a couple pairs of pants online without trying them on. I, I haven't taken them out of the, out of the bag yet, but I would wonder, maybe you don't have this data, but it would be interesting to know what percentage of that use case ends up needing to get returned and then what the comparable percentages are for you guys today and then where you believe they need to be in order to be uh, you know, um, uh, above the, the, thir the hurdle of, of excellence or good enough, if you will. Totally, totally. So this, you know, this even goes back to like, why is dead stock such a thing in the industry? Like, why are we producing so much? Um, and it's, it's because of this, it's, it's like figuring out sizing is a, a shot in the dark game of, I don't know, just try on a few things or, or, or we'll just make more and then you can, you can kind of pick. Um, and it means that in e-commerce return rates, particularly in denim are often like so over 40%, um, which is massive. So it's like almost one for one, every time you sell something, you have to take it back. Um, and even in a pre-COVID world, you know, brands are, are very quiet about these numbers, but when you, you know, really kind of get in and, and press and, and ask like, okay, what do you do with those returns? Like, when do they get resold? Where do they go in the meantime? It, it, it's a really gray area. Um, and like, well, like we don't know, like only some amount is acceptable, blah, blah, blah. So, so for them, like the 40% return rate of e-com is so high that thinking about a product uh, that has a more intentional fit element to it just to return, 
excuse me, just to reduce the amount of returns is really important to them. Um, so at, at Unspun under our own brand, our return rates are, are sub 10%, um, which is essentially unheard of in apparel. Um, and this is actually what motivates um, our, our like whole B2B platform. So Unspun is a brand, but it's a proof of concept. We're tiny, um, you know, where we're, we exist as a brand to show that this process is, is feasible um, and that we can power this process for other brands. So we actually just launched um, officially this month with Weekday, which is one of the, uh, the brands underneath the H&M group doing the same thing. Um, and, and they talked about, you know, their, their online return rates are so high that a, a program and an investment in a new technology like this is worth it just out of the like financial motivation of like bringing that return rate down. Um, so definitely even now in, in COVID times, I guarantee that if you return any garment, it's going to get shredded or destroyed. They, they just can't justify the risk element of it. So it's, you know, it, it's just crazy wasteful. And, and that was one of the shocking things to me of like, you know, it, it seems like, okay, well, like I, I really want to make sure I return this so that it gets resold. But like, ultimately, once it's really left, it, it's a super low probability that it'll actually end up back in, in a customer's hands. So it sounds like your initial go-to-market is with a direct-to-consumer brand, but that's just as a proof of concept to show that that uh, that that the technology works and is intuitive, and you know, totally. both, the, both the technology and the platform, the, the the experience of it is ready for prime time. Yeah, I mean, you know, brand is how we we show brands is how the fashion industry works, right? It's, it's all FOMO driven. It's, who, you know, which brands are getting big? How do you convince other brands to work with you? Um, so yes, brand is, is our solution to showing that the tech works. Um, it's how we get into these brand partnerships. So the Unspun X weekday partnership, basically powering the same customization on-demand manufacturing process. Um, but it also helps us start to think about our, our long-term goal, which we talked about at the beginning of like, we we're not going to get to 1% impact on global carbon emissions by building really sexy jeans in our own brand. The way we get there is changing the way the apparel industry manufactures things. It's digging into that actual manufacturing bit. So the, the customization and the on-demand side gets brands in that mindset of like, okay, I'm only producing something after it's sold rather than before it's sold. Um, such that as soon as we have that magic manufacturing part, we can flip that over. Um, and this is really where the uh, the long arc of unspun points and why we exist um, and why we're a robotics company and not really um, only just a fashion company, but both is is thinking about this completely new method of manufacturing. Um, these are teaser photos. Obviously, I, I can't show you too much uh, as we're working on the the hardware side, but but MCJ uh, invite if you're in SF, shoot me a note. We can we can give you a tour. Um, super cool hardware. Uh, process. It's about the size of a semi truck. Um, think about a machine with just under a thousand motors on it, um, all spinning really, really fast. Uh, lots of things moving in coordination. Essentially, thinking about the the core manufacturing process of like, wait, wait, wait. Why are we taking yarns? We like turn yarns into we weave it into flat fabric, and then we like cookie cutter cut out pieces, and then we like you know there's there's fifteen percent of waste right there. We're just gonna throw that away. Now we take these cookie cutter pieces that we just like destroyed, damaged, and then we're going to like stitch them together. And now we have a 3D thing. Now we have pants, um, which yes, if you know, if you're building products shoot in 1912, like that's the way that you probably have to do it. Um, but 
again, like apparel is so slow on this innovation side because it's just so focused on like chase cheap labor, find cheaper sewing machines. Um, that actually, if we said, hey, wait, rather than having all these like crazy convoluted steps, like the, the way that we humans make clothes has very has changed very little in thousands of years. Um, so we're not going to iterate and like optimize step 82 to 83 any more than it already is. Like the, the local maximization is, is, has been done. What hasn't been done is thinking about what modern robotics allows us to do and just rethinking the whole process. We have fibers. We want to turn these fibers into clothes. So rather than taking you know fibers to yarns, rather than going yarns to flat fabric and cutting it out, why not just go from yarns to a 3D structure? weave things directly from the yarn stage into a 3D structure. Um, and this is really interesting because it, it, it allows us to, you know, one, build new types of products. So seamless garments, garments where we can change the structure, we can change the weave pattern, the elasticity, uh, the material properties, the thickness at the knee. Um, but from a robotics and automation side, it lets us get out of this like crazy bottleneck essentially right here of, of sewing robotics. This is uh, a grab from a, <clears throat> a, probably a McKinsey report, I think on, you know, why hasn't apparel been automated yet or what has been automated um, or why isn't the whole process automated? And the answer is that like, hey, there's actually a lot of steps that, that have been automated pretty well, um, but there's a choke point, sewing robotics. Um, essentially the, the fascinating conundrum, I guess, of a human with human hands and fingers and human eyes sewing two things together at a sewing machine is really, really easy for humans to do. Um, so easy that, you know, it's it just like chases basically the cheapest labor that you can find in the world. Um, but it's still really difficult for, for robotics and automation to do. It's, it's now a computer vision problem. It's now a real-time modeling problem of like, you know, stretchy fabrics as they move. It's not a car chassis that like you put on a robotic arm and you know where everything is. It's like, you know, spreading around. And then you have the like human fingers problem on top of that. So essentially um, where the just automate sewing bottleneck has, has stopped the automation element. We said, wait, 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 let's, let's not just automate this little square right here. Like if we think about it all, we can go from yarns to that like finished 3D garment. Um, and now we're thinking about yarns and tension, which is a much more tractable, tract, uh, tractable problem than, uh, than like fabric moving around on a table. Um, and so, yeah, that's kind of why our, our core manufacturing process has been built so focused on wovens and doing this 3D weaving structure is because it, it essentially allows us to shortcut these like uh, hairy computer vision problems. And, and so as you aim to work with different brands, uh, how, how much of this equipment and, and facility that you're describing is it is it one to one? Like, does does each one need to be replicated for each brand? Will brands need multiple for you know for different types of product lines? Um, uh, how how do you think about that? Yeah, I mean, so it, it's it's really uh, you know thinking now holistically about like how does the industry work in its current arguably broken status, and how might it work in a in a future in a localized world? Um, brands don't own their own manufacturing; it's all it's all contracted out. Um, it's very transactional. Um, and so, you know, how, what is the world of tomorrow where apparel manufacturing is, is localized and automated? Um, that's a really exciting business opportunity. It's like, hey, we see all these justifications that producing 
apparel via robotics in the United States will be cheaper than manual labor elsewhere in the world. That will happen. There is none of that happening right now. So um, this is kind of where we really tried to think about like, hey, how do we align both the environmental side with, you know, with the profitability side? How do we do good while doing well is thinking about what is that infrastructure that does need to be needed or that is needed um, for the on-demand manufacturing side? Um, if brands don't own it, are they likely to own it? Or is that where Unspent can step in and we can be thinking about, you know, deploying these facilities with, uh, with fleets of these machines as, as essentially like phase one for us. Um, you know, if we're successful in saying that like, hey, we are developing this crazy robotic manufacturing process that's better than anything else out there. Um, for a while, we can, you know, we can own that. We can be the only ones doing that. But, but hardware is hard. Everyone knows what 3D printing is. Not many people can tell you who invented 3D printing, right? So it's like, how do you, how do you think about capturing that value while also staying true to our North Star? To get to 1%, the entire apparel world needs to switch to an, a better method of manufacturing. So us like barricading ourselves inside and like patting ourselves on the back. Cool, we invented this new machine. No one else knows about it. We're not going to get to 1% that way. So, so yeah, we're really thinking about, okay, phase one is building these automated facilities um, with our own tech and with some of that other, uh, those other automation steps that I, I was telling you about. Um, and that's how we can get the ball rolling until we ultimately start thinking more and more about, okay, we want these machines to be ubiquitous, to be everywhere. We want them to be copied because that means it's, you know, it's now become the standard. Um, and so, yeah, a lot in, in thinking about what it takes to, to have that automated facility, you know, where do those lines cross? Where does it become cheaper to produce in the US versus elsewhere? Um, this is kind of a, a just a, a graph of, of how we think about things on, on the left is, is like landed costs on the right axis is uh, turnaround time. Um, so, you know, today it, it, it costs us about $60 and, and three weeks to produce our, our custom fit jeans through the conventional cut and sew manufacturing process in Asia. Um, and, and thinking about over time, we want to be able to bring that down to about $30 per um, and producing in, you know, you buy on Amazon, you've linked your, your Amazon 3D scan. You don't think about sizes anymore. Um, you buy this product, it's, it's produced and delivered to you within a day still. Um, so lots of both the, the infrastructure, right? Of like, yeah, we have the core tech, but thinking about how that interacts with the rest of the world is, is why we've had to put so much effort into the software side and the brand as well. So, uh, so talk about staging then. So how, how long are you focused on your own brand and when do you start to transition? Yeah, totally. Um, so like I mentioned, brand for us is the best way to, to prove the concept and, and start those, uh, these, these brand collaborations where we're powering this process for other brands. So um, as long as we can think about Unspun's brand as a uh, super easy to work with client where we can say, hey, we want you to do things differently. And we say, okay, we'll try something differently. Um, so Unspun's brand is, is essentially how we prototype, how we test, how we launch new tech. You know, we're, we're thinking about this real-time visualization. We need to have that process down and nailed by the time, you know, maybe one of our, our upcoming like luxury partners feels good attaching their name to it. Um, so in that sense, the Unspun brand will likely always exist, but as our as our proof of concept and as, you know, like like Gore-Tex or, or Duracell inside, like this is the brand that we want to represent this, this new way of thinking um, and let that evolve over time from like, you know, what's exactly on my jeans to, to this new process and a new method of manufacturing. 
And and so what about extending to these brand partnerships? So like if you look over the next 12 months, for example, is that a core focus or not yet? Yeah, so um, that's a, a big focus for this next year. So currently um, with Unspun, we have one announced brand partnership that's that's live um, with, with Weekday in, in Stockholm. Um, by the end of this next year, and, and now we kind of perfectly dovetail into uh, into fundraising milestones. Um, but by the end of this next year, we want to have launched two more of those brand partnerships. Um, likely one more in the you know trying trying to show a, a broad range. So like weekday and H and M, very approachable. Um, essentially selling at a hundred dollar price point. Um, but we'll also likely have one more in the luxury space. Um, and then potentially one more in a slightly or completely different product category. So yeah, big focus this next year on more of these like 3D scanned custom product partnerships, um, as well as the, the really exciting part for us is after you know four years in development, our, our very first 3D woven products off of our machine. So as of now, the Unspun brand and Unspun Loomshot hardware has not, have not converged, um, but we think that that conversion point will be Q2, Q3 of this next year. So um, that'll be a big focus as well as like releasing a very first drop of likely about 100, 100 units that we can do the full 3D phone scan to 3D woven seamless automated uh, custom fit garment on the output. So these initial brand partnerships that you're doing, uh, are they powered by your equipment at headquarters or, or are you needing to set up equipment on, on the customer prem or with their manufacturing partner? Yeah, so so our, our first partnerships right now are all on the fit side. Um, <clears throat> so it, it's all on like 3D scan in, we manage that, we work with the existing manufacturing partner um, to produce products the, the conventional way. Um, so that's kind of where the, the Unspun software and the Unspun fit platform fits well, is kind of being that like behind the scenes plumbing that connects, you know, customer scans to how you optimize scans to how you route orders of N equals one to a factory. You know, I think we were the first time that H&M ever sent an order of one to a factory where typically they'd, you know, have what, six, seven, eight zeros attached to that. Um, so yeah, thinking a lot about that side. And then as we flip over to our own uh, hardware and our own manufacturing, yeah, phase one will be um, in our, you know, in our, in our hardware HQ, phase two will be in, uh, a more localized or, or more optimized rather like US-based facility. So thinking about, um, you know, where, where is the, the, where will, as manufacturing returns to the US, um, which we are, are very bullish and I think it will, um, but heavily, you know, powered by automation. Where are the places that, that that'll happen? It's, you know, to me, I, I really think it's, it's Detroit, it's Arkansas, it's, it, it's really in kind of some of these core areas where there had been some, some manufacturing expertise before. So I would imagine that uh, one of those two is, is potentially in our future. And from a competitive landscape standpoint, so it sounds like your, you know, your entry point is around fit. Are there competitors out there that only focus on fit? Yeah, I mean, so, so there's a, <clears throat> within the broad category of like, take a scan or, or basically how about just this decoupling the like, try a bunch of things on and see what happens. Um, there's some on, you know, just brands thinking about like, hey, we download our app and take two photos, a front photo and a side photo, and um, we'll use that. And we can, based on your shoulder width and your head width, we can guess that your body type 76 and body type 76 has these measurements. Um, so there's a little bit of that. There's, there's no one else doing this full, uh, 
completely unique uh, pattern making and sizing that we're doing because we had to build it. Um, it's a it's a totally new method of, of fit. So we're not using kind of like standard 2D patterns that uh, the industry's worked on forever. Is is we're actually thinking about things in in 3D. So there are some brands doing that, like the on demand side. Um, interestingly, one of the closest companies to us uh, was called Body Labs. They were acquired by Amazon a few years ago. Um, so Amazon actually also has a bunch of patents in this like on-demand manufacturing space, uh, N equals one manufacturing, um, even now more and more on the actual 3D scan. They they released the uh, Alexa look that had the scanner built into it. Just recently, the, um, you know, the, the Whoop competitor that also does just 3D scanning. So it's, it's obvious and uh, something that they're thinking about as well. Um, interestingly, eBay also has a bunch of patents and, and work in the space. So part of why we have to be fairly careful and secretive about the core hardware um, because that's where, you know, we really think the the big long, long-term value comes from is, is being able to connect those. Got it. And then uh, what is the appetite from brands to actually, uh, um, to, you know, to muck with their manufacturing, if you will, and not just the, the fit and what's the switching cost to navigate from how they do things today to how, you want them to do things in an unspun world. Yeah, totally. Um, and, and this gets really, you know, this is a really fascinating, I don't know, political question or like uh, an industry question of like brands are massive. Like the, there is so much inertia in this existing process. Um, so to, to U-turn a ship like H&M takes uh, some very focused David and Goliath effort. Um, and so, yeah, you know, the way... The way that we do that and the way that we approach that goes back to that founding idea of like, I, I can jump up and down outside the H&M headquarters and talk about how important it is that they be sustainable. Um, and yes, they have like these, you know, 20, 30 goals, but uh, picking on H&M, H&M is actually a, a really great example of, of doing this well, but but the apparel industry in, in general, um, the best way to, to drive that change is to point to like, hey, you had a uh, collectively $150 billion loss last year in unsold inventory. Tell us how you're doing in COVID. Tell us how much of uh, how much inventory you're sitting on after you, you know, the entire industry just came to a screeching halt. So, um, you know, at the beginning of, of COVID and lockdowns with our retail, it, it was dramatic. We we had to close all of our retail in, in SF and Hong Kong and Amsterdam. Um, we, you know, had to go through a round of layoffs of all of our retail employees, like easily the hardest thing I've ever done in my life. Um, but what was fascinating was it was such a, uh, we were talking about these, these come to Jesus moments before. It was such a come to Jesus moment of like, wow, this process is so, so brittle um, that we've actually seen a, a big uptick in, in inbounds. You know, after, after the dust settled of, of everyone like freaking out, um, the big question is like, okay, how do we, you know, phew, suddenly we just got 10 years of e-commerce penetration in three months. Um, how do we think more about being an e-com brand? Oh, wait, now our return rates are going to go up. Um, so, so we're actually seeing quite a bit of internal motivation once you stack all the pieces together. Um, that even to the point of like, hey, we're, we are willing to invest in, in this process um, because if we can just return or reduce return rates by a little bit, then, then that helps. So uh, yeah, it, it, it's a slow process. Like definitely some of these brands move really slow, um, but I, I've been more and more, you know, I, the typical startup question, right? Of like some days you wake up and you're like, 
dang it, like we're just too early, like the world's not ready. And then the next day, like something comes up on the news and you're like, oh my God, like we're late, we're behind, like we gotta go. And then the next day you're like, oh gosh, like maybe we should have just waited five more years. So it's it's constantly back and forth uh, between both of those. But I, I don't know, I tell myself that maybe that's a good sign that we're, we're fluctuating. Uh, and then, I mean, talk a bit about, let's say the next 12 or, uh, or 24 months and, and also uh, how that dovetails into um, fundraising strategy to the extent that uh, you can talk about that as well. Yeah. Um, so th- the next year, <laughs> we're all about aerospace uh, at Unspun. We, we, we pull a lot of space themes, I think all just as you know, humans and, and people that are excited about the future in technology space feels like a very inspiring place to look. Um, and uh, so, so we have space-themed product names, we have space-themed internal tools. Our, our machine is called Vega, which is a, a star. Um, and so we, we end up using a lot of space analogies. And I, uh, a good one that, that feels especially relevant lately is, um, you know, the, the max Q point in, in every SpaceX launch of like the, the moment of peak aerodynamic stress um, as the rocket leaves the, you know, Earth atmosphere and, and goes to space. Um, yeah, talk about the next 12 to 24 months. Uh, max Q, I think it's, it's where we go from SBIR funded, really exploratory early stage R&D of some crazy, you know, three dimensional weaving manufacturing process to we need to be a business and businesses need to make money and have returns. Um, and, and that's been both, you know, scary as a, your years into a process, years into an R&D project, um, thinking about how you turn from mad scientists to, to business people. Um, but it's also exciting of like, wow, we've, we've put so much energy and effort into this. And now we're seeing these, uh, this vision that we talked about, um, you know, raised a seed round on a, on a big story and vision of, the future we want to build um, now that we're getting into, you know, pre-A and, and series A for us, um, you know, that, that vision in the future is important, but you can't raise on a vision in the future forever. Like at some point they need to start coming together. Um, so for us, the, the name of the game, the next 12, 24 months is like, okay, prove that these work, prove that customers want this, prove that the brand scales, prove that other brands want this and, and prove that the, the crazy robotic manufacturing process works um, and, and works in a way that's like cost competitive and not just, just cost prohibitive like uh, some of the other attempts have been. And for, for anyone in the uh, MCJ community who, uh, you know, who likes what they're hearing, uh, where do you need help? How, how can, can we uh, as a community make it easier for you? Mm, yeah, the, the most pressing uh, top of mind one right now is, is, is we need beta testers. We're, we're thinking and, and iterating through this new uh, like iPhone scan-based process of, of use your phone to, to scan and, and get that custom garment. Um, so particularly anyone that's you know willing to take a, a heavy discount, get a custom pair of jeans built and, and give us some feedback on like, hey, you lost me here. Like, hey, this pro- process could be explained better. Um, that's the most tangible one where just volume of, of people going through will be big. Um, outside of that, I... I think uh, one of the coming points for us is, is thinking about like, you know, all, all of our brand growth up until now has been completely organic. We, we have no marketing team. Um, we don't spend money on marketing right now. Um, you know, we, we're really kind of driven by some early press and, and momentum. Um, we were Time's best invention last year. Um, depending on when, uh, when this podcast comes out, um, we'll probably have one more similar uh, type announcement to to go from, but <clears throat> we, we've really been kind of like 
ultra lean on the brand side. Um, and now we're saying, hey, it's, uh, we've proven it works. We've proven that uh, there, there's some momentum here. Um, we want a little more help. So I, I think a big one for us will also be uh, like a director of marketing hire, likely someone who's both motivated by the, the climate and environmental side, but also has some experience in the, uh, in the D2C and, and apparel world. So I, I, I foresee spending a bunch of time on that sometime in the next few months. Um, but obviously, you know, ultimately like people wearing the, the brand, talking about the vision, talking about the, uh, the world that we want, the, apparel to, uh, the way that we want the apparel world to move, all of that is, is, is hugely helpful. As, um, I, I'm a big fan of the, the rising tide raises all ships mentality. And, you know, the more pressure there is on, yes, us to be innovative and also sustainable, but the rest of the world and particularly the rest of the apparel world, uh, the better. Great. Well, uh, well, I'd love to be one of those beta testers if you'll have me. And uh, I also have a candidate I think could be interesting on the on the marketing side that we can talk about offline. Awesome. Look at that. Easy. <laughs> check, check. Uh, anything that I didn't ask that I should have or any, any uh, parting words for listeners? Hmm. Or viewers, I should say, since this is video. Yeah, yeah. I was, I was, viewers, we, sorry, if, if you're just listening, I guess you, you missed all the slides. Um, no. Yeah. yeah, I mean, we, I, are, we I, are starting to experiment with audio with audio too, actually. So there will be an audio only option to this. So there'll be some listeners and some viewers, but mm, got but, it, got but it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I, for us, really, the 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 biggest uh, the, the cool cool opportunity that that I get really excited about is the power of a brand attached to a tech, attached to a mission. You know, just like the MCJ brand is is continually being built. Um, people want to represent things that they believe in, so. Um, yeah, if, if you're excited about this, if you uh, can't fathom the, uh, the idea of, of putting on hard pants again and, and want to try something out comfortable and, and custom fit and pushes the mission forward, then, then shoot me a note. I'm, we're here. And then uh, I guess offer still stands on if you're in the Bay or, or want to come, come peek behind the scenes at the, the crazy robotic side. Let us know. Awesome. Well, Kevin, this is great. I'm psyched to, to try it out and be a, a tester and wishing you and the team every success. Right on. Well, thanks so much. Hey, it was, it was great to catch up. Thanks for having me. Hey, everyone. Jason here. Thanks again for joining me on my climate journey. If you'd like to learn more about the journey, you can visit us at myclimatejourney.co. Note that is .co, not .com. Someday we'll get the .com, but right now, .co. You can also find me on Twitter at jjacobs22, where I would encourage you to share your feedback on the episode or suggestions for future guests you'd like to hear. And before I let you go, if you enjoyed the show, please share an episode with a friend or consider leaving a review on iTunes. The lawyers made me say that. Thank you. Thank you.